Awesome, you guys. I'm excited to be back with you again. How many of you guys were here a couple of weeks ago when I was here the first time? Awesome. Well, man, uh, I, was, I was honored uh, when Pastor Mateo invited me back to get to share with you guys again. Um, I love his invitation, right, to come in, to treat you guys like, hey, we are all on the same team. We're all on the same page. We're all approaching maturity in Christ, right? So even for me, as I'm coming in tonight, I'm going to do you guys a piece of respect, okay? And I'm going to ask the same thing in return. My respect that I'm going to give you is I'm going to treat you guys like everything I'm saying, right? The message of the gospel of following Jesus, like you can track with me, right? Like this is important. What we're about to talk about is real, right? This is not just like, hey, let's come up on a Wednesday, play some cornhole and hang out and go home, right? Cornhole is great. Let's definitely play some cornhole, right? There we go. But in addition to that, you guys, right, what we're doing here, it actually matters, right? This thing that we're doing, it's not a practice run. This is the real deal. This is the real thing. So what I want us to do, let's go ahead and turn our hearts towards Jesus with one another. Let's go ahead and be quiet for a second, and let's pray. Let's invite the Lord. I'll read the word. I'll tell us where we're going, and then we're going to do it. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Spirit of Jesus, will you come? Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you. Lord, I ask that you would come and you would lead me, that you would lead me in the words that you want to communicate. Lord, I pray that, um, that the word would be clear tonight. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters, my friends here, I pray that we would have ears that hear and work and eyes that see and a heart that understands. Jesus, pull us into your gospel tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen and amen. We're going to read our passage for tonight. We are wrapping up Colossians. Crazy. How many weeks have you guys been in Colossians? <laughs> A couple. Okay. Here's where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17. We're going to read. We're going to take a sec. And then we're going to come back around. Let's read it out, uh, out together. This is what Paul says. 3, verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And here's where it comes in. All, all wraps up together. Paul says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everyone said, thanks be to God. There we go. But when we start, I want to ask a question, and it's going to lead into where we're going. What kinds of things bring people together? I remember when I was in eighth grade, how many eighth graders in the room? There we go. I love these front row eighth graders. Y'all are the back row eighth graders. There we go. Okay, I, I love you too, but I'm, I'm going to talk to these guys for a sec. All right, so when I was in eighth grade, okay, I remember there was this big transition, right? You're coming into high school, and you start doing high school sports, at least over the summer. It was for me. And I remember I just wanted to go and be a part of this group, and I wanted to, to come and, and be accepted into this, this cool clique of high school football players, right? And what brought us together was football, 
We had a shared thing that, that, that brought us together. So I want to hear from you for a sec. Raise your hand. Don't just shout it out. What are some things that bring people together? Why do people gather? Back row, eighth grader. What's your name? Sam. Sam. Food? Is that what you said? Dude, food, Thanksgiving, absolutely. What else? What kinds of things bring us together? Oh, come on. Yeah. Okay, so like activities, like football. What's one thing you like to do? You're not sure. You like to be here on, at, at New Life Students on a Wednesday night. Right? Okay, one more thing. What, what are some things that bring people together? Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's a forced thing. Okay, I saw a hand over here. Binge watching shows. What's your show? Just like, like all of them. All right, this guy. Okay, right, so we can come together. All kinds of things bring people together. Right, whether it's food, maybe you just are like super into weird Asian fusion or something. Or maybe you're like, it's football or sports or activities or reading. Are there any like really big readers in the room? There we go. Some people. All right. Right, so whatever it is, there's all these things that bring people together. Now, where we're at in the story of Colossians, track with me here, friends. This is where we're going. Where we're at in the story of Colossians, thanks, these last couple weeks, right, Pastor Mateo, you guys have been tracking through the book, and it's been lifting Jesus up, right? The whole story of Colossians is Colossians or Colossae was this city in the ancient world, and there was a follower, or there was a community of Jesus followers there, and they were trying to figure out what it looked like to love Jesus and walk together. But there were some problems. Can everyone say some problems? Some problems. And some of these problems was that there were different people who were coming into their community who were offering different kinds of teachings. They were saying, oh, yeah, this, this Jesus guy is great. Jesus is great. That's awesome. But you know what? Why don't you, have you thought about, have you thought about this other kind of philosophy, this other way of thinking? How about Jesus and doing all these religious feasts and these festivals. And so the, the point being, right, is that they were saying, hey, it's not just Jesus, but why don't you mix a little bit of Jesus and some of this other stuff. There are people who are coming in and saying, hey, it's not just Jesus, but it's, 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 it's kind of whatever you want it to, to be, right? It's the, it's, the popular, it's the popular idea of the day. And what Paul has been doing up until this point, he's been saying, no, no, no. He says, look at Jesus, says, Jesus is king. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is life, right? And at this point in the book, this is where he turns a corner. And this is where he's going to bring it home. And this is where it's going to come together for us. Because Paul starts saying, okay, we've looked at Jesus. So now what does it look like when we have a group of people who come together with the main focus being Jesus? What, is, what does it look like when there's a group of people that come together with Jesus as the thing that brings us together? Right, not food, not sports, but Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And to do this, I want to introduce you guys to some people. We're going to track with them kind of throughout this message. But I want to introduce you guys to a group of people. So any history people in the room, you're going to love this. All right, so it's 1727, okay, 1727. And the years leading up to this, there was a small group of people right around Central Europe. And for the years previous to them, in their home country, they had been experiencing really, really intense persecution for their faith. So they worshipped Jesus, but they worshipped him in a different way than other people. And so they were being persecuted, oppressed. Their leader got burned at the stake. 
pretty intense, right? So they get, they get basically, they, they get chased out of their homes. So they're refugees. Have you guys seen refugees on the news over the last couple years, right? So this is a group of refugees. These are people without a home. And they're wandering and they have no place to go. Until they finally find themselves camped out on this little plot of land. And the guy who owns the land basically says, you don't have to leave. You, you can stay, right? And this guy, you're going to laugh at his name, is Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. There we go. You're, you are obeying Pastor Mateo. Well done. All right, say with me. Ready? Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. That was weak. All right, one more time. Ludwig von Zinzendorf. All right, okay, okay. There we go. I appreciate you. Anyways, this guy Ludwig von Zinzendorf says, you know what, you can, live on my, you can live on my land. You can actually build houses and homes on my land. And so they found a home. And what happened is they built their community, but not all was well in their community. They were, they were people who had just been ripped from their homes. There was strife, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. It was messy, right? It was messy. Probably like what school looks like for some of you guys. Or, right? We all know what messy relationships look like. And what happened... What happened was that this community, the count who, who owned the land, he said, this has to change. This, this has to change. We can't do this. And he was convinced in his heart that the one thing that could bring these people together was Jesus. And so he went door to door, literally like hundreds of homes. He went door to door and he pleaded with these people. He said, listen, you, you need to have unity with one another. Come and hear the gospel. Here's Jesus. Jesus brings us together. And what he said is, here, just, just come to this meeting. We're going to have a unity meeting. We're going to pray. We're going to take communion together. And it was on August 13th. So he goes and he gets the whole village. There's a couple hundred people. They all get together in this one room. And it's August 13th. And they have a, a communion service. They have a prayer service. And what happens is these people, right, who've been oppressed, kicked out of their homes, angry with one another, they came together in a spirit of unity with one another. And what happened was that the Holy Spirit fell on them in that moment, like in Acts chapter 2. And the fire of God fell on this community, and it, and it filled them up with a passion for unity, a passion for Jesus, and a passion for prayer. And they started a prayer meeting that lasted 100 years. Now, we're going to come back to these guys because they're a model of what it looks like when a community of people comes with Jesus being the focus. And what I want to do tonight is using Colossians chapter 3, I want to give you guys a little bit of a vision of what it might look like for us, for you, to be a community that comes together centered around the person of Jesus. Not just centered around having fun on a Wednesday night, but centered around the person of Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, track with me here, because we're going to just go through, we're going to jump into this passage. All right, chapter 3, verse 12, this is what it goes. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, how many of you guys have like some rules in your family? Yeah? Are they, are they good rules? Are they bad rules? Mixed, okay, right, so, so we have family rules, they have family culture. Now, here's what I want to submit to you guys, right? Our family rules aren't just to tell us what we should and should not do. Although there is some of that, right? Like your parents don't want you painting on the walls or whatever, right? But, but it's not just to tell you what you should and shouldn't do, but it's actually to tell you who you should be, 
right? It's actually going at what the heart is. And so Paul starts and he says, you, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This word chosen ones, what he's saying, he's tapping into a story. He's tapping into a story of God's people. Now here's, here's an interesting thing. When we follow Jesus, many times we think that we just choose to follow Jesus on our own. Or like, it's your choice if you want to follow Jesus or not. Jesus came to save you, which is true. But here's the truth. Jesus didn't come to save you. Jesus came to save a people. Jesus came to save a family. And he invites you to become a part of that family. So what's about to follow is basically God's family rules. What does it look like when we come together? It's not just about what you do and don't do, but it's about who we are. What I love about this, friends, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, some of you need to hear me on this before we go anywhere further. You have to hear that God loves you and chooses you before you do anything for him, friends. Before any kind of our lives change, you have to hear God say, I choose you. Okay, when my wife and I started dating, this was seven, eight, nine years ago, we started dating and we kind of like skirted around the word I love you because for us it was like, okay, I love you is a big word. And so we, we were like, oh, like, I'm crazy about you. You're awesome. This is great. You're like, like, I like you a lot. We finally said, I love you. Like, okay, like, I love you. We're in this. We're committed. But as time has gone on, we use the word I love you a lot. We've developed some new language. A lot of the time, right, I'll look at my wife and she'll look at me and be like, hey, I, I love you, but hey, I, I choose you. It's not just an emotion that I'm feeling towards you, but you know what? I, I choose you. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling today. It doesn't matter if I'm having a good day or a bad day. I choose you. And I'm going to do my life with you. So what you have to hear, you guys, is that God looks at each of you and says, I choose you. Come be a part of my family. Come be a part of my family. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Let's keep tracking on here. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Sorry, we'll, let's jump to that next slide, my bro. Sorry. We'll just summarize this real fast. There we go. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, okay, one of the main things, okay, is that all of these instructions, all of these things that Jesus is calling us into are things that he does first. This is who Jesus is. Our, our community is built upon him. So we're going to use the language tonight of Jesus is steadfast. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. We build who we are on him. So go ahead and bump to that next slide for me. It says, Jesus is the steadfast forgiver. And so we forgive those who wrong us. How many of you guys really just love forgiving people who do mean things to you? <laughs> right? Forgiveness is challenging. Forgiveness is challenging. But the truth is, is that any group of people who are going to be centered on Jesus have to be really good at forgiving one another. Have to be really good at repenting and forgiving one another. How many of you guys have ever, have ever done someone dirty before? Okay, we've all done someone dirty before, right? How many of you guys have been done dirty before? Yes, okay. Some of you guys are like, yes, the person sitting next to me did me dirty just a second ago. Now, the interesting thing about sin, you guys, is when we, when we wrong each other, 
it, just, it doesn't just affect us. How, okay, how many of you guys have ever painted before? Do you like painting? Sort of, yeah, okay. So my wife and I were painting our house. This was in Tulsa a couple years ago. We were painting our house and I had the big can of paint and I was standing there with her. Ooh, we'll leave that. I was standing there with her and I was walking and I slipped and I dropped that can of paint. It was, it was hardwood. Okay, what happened to that paint? What do you think? If I drop a can of paint, what happens? It splatters everywhere, right? And I'm the one who's standing there and I drop it and it splatters and it got on me and it got on the walls. And if we had a dog, it would have gotten on the dog. We didn't have a baby yet or it would have probably gotten on the baby, right? It got on my way. It got everywhere. <clears throat> That's the problem with, with sin. When we wrong somebody, it's like I take a can of paint and I drop it right at my feet. And it makes a mess. And I'm probably the one who's going to get most of it, right? But let's say I walk right here and I drop a big old can of paint. Is it going to get you guys too? Probably, right? Most likely. So what we do when we forgive each other is that we help each other clean up messes. We help each other clean up the mess that sin and wronging each other creates. And if we don't practice forgiveness, our community, our group of people together, it just falls to pieces. You guys, this, this destroys people. And it's actually, it's actually a really, really big deal to Jesus. Jesus tells this story. He says, hey, there's two, uh, there's, sorry, not two. There was one, there was, a, there was a servant. There was a man who was a servant to a king. And this servant owed the king $8 billion, more money than he could ever pay in his entire life. And the king calls the servant up to him and he says, hey, you owe me $8 billion. I haven't seen a dime of it. I'm going to actually, here's what's going to happen. You pay up now or I'm going to throw you in prison. And this servant, he gets down on his knees and he says, no, I can't pay. I, I can't pay. Please have mercy on me. And the king looks at him and he says, has compassion on him. He says, tell you what, no sweat. I'm a king. I got lots of money. Eight billion, you're good. Don't even worry about it. And he walks out, right? And he walks out and he's excited and he's like, oh my goodness, this is an amazing, best day of my life. And he walks out and as he's walking home, he passes by his friend. As he walks by his friend, he remembers, hey, you owe me, owe me 150 bucks. He loaned it to him. It's part of the eight billion. Right? I said, okay, you owe me 150 bucks. So he goes to this guy and he says, hey, you owe me money. I need you to pay up now. Pay up now. And his friend gets down on his knees and says, I don't have money. Please, give me a couple more weeks. Have mercy on me. And the first servant looks at this guy and says, not a chance. And he takes him and he throws him in prison. Now what's the king going to do when he hears about it? So he hears about it and he calls that first servant in. And he says, how could you not show mercy when you've been shown so much mercy? And he takes him and he throws him in prison. This is a story that Jesus shared. And here's how Jesus ends it. And I want us to catch the, the intensity of this moment. Remember, right? Pastor Mateo said, I'm going to treat you guys like you're able to, to engage with this. This is real. This is what he says. He says, if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. This is heavy, you guys. Now, what, what he, here's what he's not saying, okay? He's not saying... If you don't forgive somebody, your heavenly father is just waiting to kick you and he's not going to forgive you. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that 
when we come to God and we say, God, forgive me of all of these sins and this mess, and then, and then we turn around and we go out and we can't offer forgiveness to other people who wrong us, then that reveals something about us. That shows me that I actually haven't received God's mercy and forgiveness. Because when you receive mercy and forgiveness from God, it changes us, friends. So forgiveness, this is something that we have to have in a community. We have to do it. It looks like Jesus. Let's keep rolling here. It says, bearing with one another, everyone has complaining against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. There we go. Everything together in perfect harmony. Jesus is not just a steadfast forgiver. Jesus is a steadfast lover. And so we love those around us. We're, we're not going to take a whole ton of time on this because everything we're talking about here is love. He says love is what binds us together, right? Love is why we're in this room. How many art people? We talked, I saw some paint, okay? Have you guys ever used like, um, like a glue gun to do anything, right? Love is like the glue gun of our community, right? It sticks things together. If we don't have love, then we're not going to be stuck together. Just think about that the next time you're using a glue gun. Let's keep rolling here. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I want to talk about this for a sec. Jesus is steadfast peace. And so we live grateful lives of peace with God, ourselves, and with one another. Now, okay, I'm going to tell you some statistics that you guys already know, right? You guys are, live, you, you live this. But how... There's all these studies that have come out over the last handful of years about anxiety and depression and insecurity that has skyrocketed, right? And people of your generation, young people, over the course of the last handful of years, through the pandemic, through different things. How many of you guys, we'll say, just say generally here, how many of you guys have experienced or have a close friend who has experienced a level of anxiety or depression? Something you would classify as anxiety or depression. So it's a lot of us, right? It's a lot of us. Paul comes to this church and he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and be thankful. Anxiety comes when we try to grab on and control things that we can't control. Which is one of the reasons that it got crazy over the pandemic, right? Is that we, can't, we couldn't control so much. There were so many things we were at the whim of, right? And so what Paul is saying, he says, hey, our communities, when we get together, we're actually people who are marked by peace. And then here's, here's where, what I love about Paul. As he goes the next step further, he says, hey, here's how you get peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. He just prescribed a way to peace Gratitude is the way to peace, you guys. And here's why. Go ahead and throw that next slide up there. It's because gratitude is the pathway to peace because it reorients us to true reality. Now, let me explain that for a second. Remember, right, anxiety is what happens when we, can't, when we try to control the things we can't control. And we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to hold our lives and people together. But when we choose to be thankful, when we choose to express a sense of gratitude, 
what does it do? It starts orienting our lives and our hearts where we say, here's what I'm thankful for. God, thank, thank you for my friendships. Thank you for your love. Thank you for my family. And it gets us from looking down and around and it gets us looking up. Because the truth about reality, you guys, is that God is on the throne of your life. God is over your story. God is in and around and through and moving in you and he has plans and purposes for your life. And when we choose to be grateful, it reorients our lives and stories to that truth. So here's my encouragement to you, okay? I felt some intense anxiety at different points in my life. It's not a, a super common thing, but there are seasons where I'm like, oh man, I'm feeling really, really anxious. And one of the things that I do is I start choosing gratitude. I say, God, thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank, even thank you for this situation that's making me anxious. Because you're in the middle of it. And it starts to reorient our lives. So our communities, what it looks like when there's a community with Jesus in the middle, it looks like a community of people who are grateful. And because we're grateful, we live in Christ's peace. And it rules in our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to say one more thing here on this as we're rolling on. So we're, we're peace-filled, thankful, grateful communities. And after this, here's what Paul says. He says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I wanna zoom in here on this last little thing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because the main thing about communities that are centered around Jesus is that we're centered around the word of God and the gospel. We're centered around Jesus himself. Jesus is the steadfast word. And so then what does it say? We admonish, we encourage, we strengthen one another. So Jesus is the steadfast word. So we strengthen one another to live out the gospel. I want to take a sec. I want to go back to the, the story that I started telling you at the beginning. You guys remember the name of that, that funky group of people? Nah, did I tell? I maybe, not, I maybe didn't even tell you. You're like, you're calling me out. Like, you didn't tell me. They're the Moravians, okay? There's a group of people called the Moravians. Do you remember the, the name of the count that you said a couple times? Oh, there we go. You guys are paying attention, more or less. Right, okay. Let's go back to the Moravians. Because this community gets centered around Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then things start to happen. They start encouraging one another, strengthening one another, and they start praying. And I mentioned this. But they start a prayer movement, you guys, that literally lasts 100 years, 24-7. Can you imagine that? There literally is somebody praying every single moment of the day, 24 hours a day, for 100 years. That's like, okay, it's 2022. That's like someone started praying in 1922 and they haven't stopped until today. And from that place of prayer, you guys, it started this movement that changed the world. It started a movement of missionaries where they started saying, we need to go out and help other people. And young people, people your age, and a little bit older into high school, they got this message that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, right? The gospel of Jesus, that Jesus came and he lived and he died for me and that he resurrects me with him. It got in their bones and it got in their blood. 
And they started sending missionaries out into the world. They started sending pairs of missionaries into all these different corners of society. And there's this one famous story. So at this time in history, 1727, slavery was rampant. Okay, really, really rampant. And there were certain islands in the Caribbean that you could only access if you were a slave. That's the only way people got there. You were, you were either in slavery or you were a slave master. And the Moravians heard about this. And there were these two young men, and they got in their soul. They said, there are these people who are living and dying and suffering and in slavery because no one has told them the truth about Jesus. And they're living in this state of bondage. Something has to be done. And because these young people, fueled in the place of prayer, united in a community around the person of Jesus Christ, they were filled with hope and a mission, and they sold themselves into slavery to get to this island. And the story goes is that they're on the ship, about to sail away. And there are different people from their community who say, you don't have to do this. right, this is your life, you don't have to do this. And the story goes that one of these young men looks back at at his family and he says, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And then they go and they sail. And they land on this island and they're slaves and they're in bondage. Now fast forward a little bit. Come back to these guys in a sec. Fast forward a little bit. This is in the early 1800s. So slavery has been a massive thing in the, in the British Empire, okay? And then there's this guy named William Wilberforce. Have any of you guys heard of this man before? Okay. He's, he's one of the men who's almost, not single-handedly, but he's in, he, he, he fought to end slavery in the, the British Empire. And he's standing there in front of this whole parliament system. And he's saying, we need to end slavery now. And one of the main, one of the main arguments for keeping slaves at the time was that, hey, if we release all these slaves, they don't, they're not going to they're not gonna know how to relate with society. And William Wilberforce stands up there and he gives the story of the Moravians. Because these two young men sailed to the island and they preached the gospel. And it started a revival on the, on the island and thousands of slaves encounter Jesus, find the Lord, and they start their own community there on the island centered around Jesus, full of forgiveness, full of peace in the place of utter darkness, right? And it totally renovates the island. And when Wilberforce is saying, we need to end slavery, he points to them and he says, look at them. They, they did it. We need to free the slaves And then he is responsible for slavery being ended in the entire British Empire. Why am I telling you these stories? When we get this truth in our hearts, the truth of who Jesus is, right? Jesus is the king. Jesus is high. Jesus is lifted up. His gospel is true. When we say, Jesus, I I say yes to you, he brings us into a family And when we get this family culture, not just in our actions, but in our bones, in our identity, right? That we're not just people who do forgiveness. We're not just people who who feel peace sometimes. We're not just people who, um, who love each other sometimes. But we're people who are love to one another. We're people who are forgiveness to one another. When we get this in our bones, 
You guys, it changes the world. Here's what I want you to hear. Track in with me. I know some of us are, are dipping out at this point, but I'm, I'm asking you. Lock in with me here. I'm looking at you ladies in the front. Come on, this is important. Lock in with me here for just a little bit more. Okay? If you get this idea in your life, right, that Jesus at the center, <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus, lived out together as a community, if we start doing this, you guys, it's going to change your families. It's going to change your schools. Right? It's going to change your high schools as you grow. It's going to change your colleges. It's going to change your workplaces. It's going to change the church. It's going to change the nation. It's going to change the world. If we get this, you guys, the Moravians, there were like 300 of them. Like, there's like almost that many students here tonight. New Life is like 15 times that big. If we get this in our bones, right, what does it mean for us to be Jesus' people coming together, united around him? It's going to change the world. So I want, I want you to see some vision for this tonight. This is what Jesus is inviting you into. This is what he's inviting me into, what he's inviting Mateo into, right? We're, this, is, this is his best for us, is to come and to live out the gospel together in Christ-centered community. Now, the way this looks, and the way we're going to summarize this, and we're going to move into some ministry space here in a sec. This last, this last verse of, um, of chapter 3, verse 17, it's kind of the verse that everybody really remembers from Colossians, right? If you're going to remember a verse, it's probably going to be this one. You might see it like written on a football player's arm or something, right? It says, okay, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, okay, in word or in deed. Here's where I want to summarize this, right? You guys have been in Colossians for the last handful of weeks. We've been asking together, who is Jesus? We've learned that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is on the throne. He's life. He's the head. He's resurrection. He's everything. Right? And then tonight we're asking, well, what does this mean for our actual lives? How do we live this out with our friends and community with one another? Here's where, here's where this comes home. It says that Jesus is steadfast. He's supreme. He's the hope of glory. You're good, yeah. Appreciate you, dude. He's the one who makes all things new. So we build our whole lives on him. Here's what this looks like. We build our whole lives on him. He is the only thing. He's the only place that's actually secure for us. But if you want to come on up. So what we're going to do here for a sec, we're going to practice some of these things with one another. Right? So what does it look like for a Jesus-centered community? So what do we do? Right? We forgive. We love. We experience peace through gratitude. And we bless one another. We encourage one another. Okay. We're going to do something that might feel a little uncomfortable, a little funky, but it's going to be great. I want you guys all to stand to your feet for me. All right. And I'm assuming you know the person next to you. If you don't, you're going to get to know them here in a sec. Because what I want you to do, okay, you can, you can ask them if you don't feel comfortable with it, it's fine. But if they feel comfortable with it, I want you, yeah, either, I want you to either put your hand on their shoulder or even like take them by the hand. Either or is fine. <clears throat> There we go. All right. 
we're gonna practice a blessing over one another. Here's what I want you to do. JLo's gonna be playing up here, and I want you to take two or three minutes, and I want you to start praying for this person. Now, if you don't know where to start, that's okay. I want you to say, I want you to say blessings over them. So say, Jesus, would you bless this person? Would you bless them in their home? Bless them in their school? Bless them in their coming? Bless them in their going? Encourage them, give them hope. What I want you to do is start praying for this person the way that you would like to be prayed for. Might be a little awkward, okay? But I want us all, use our mouths, speak out loud, right? It's meaningful when your friends can hear you. I want you to start, just everyone at once, pray to the person to your right, okay? Whoever's to your right, just start praying for them. Three, two, one, go. We'll take a sec, just go for it. It's awkward, knock it out. All right, when you run out of things to pray for, turn to the person to your left and pray for the person to your left. So Jesus, bless and strengthen these guys. Lord, I pray you're covering over them, you're anointing over them that they would be the kind of young men and women who are, who are centered on the gospel of Jesus. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. In your name, Jesus, amen, amen. If you're still praying, keep praying. What we're gonna do, we're gonna go into a time of worship. Actually, sorry, I lied. If you're still praying, pause it for a sec. You can go back to praying in a second. All right, we're gonna go into a time of worship here in a moment. And while we're worshiping, we have... You have three, three different options, okay? And you can move around the room, you can find people. Here's what I'm gonna encourage you. So first, you can just worship. If you're feeling like the Lord is, is leading you, is meeting you, just be present with him, right? Ask him what he's doing. But then second, we need to be people who practice, uh, we practice gratitude, right? Because gratitude is the pathway to peace. So what I want you to do is if you're in this room and in this space, and if there is a person that you feel like would be blessed by a communication of gratitude for who they are, I want you to go and tell someone that you're thankful for them. And don't do it yet. Wait, wait, hang on. Tell them you're thankful for them. That's one option. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna practice gratitude with and for one another. Okay, another option, and this one's a little bit more intense, is if there's somebody in this room that you have, you have something against, or maybe they've wronged you, and you're feeling some unforgiveness, or you realize that you've hurt somebody, there's gonna be space, and I'm gonna encourage you to go find that person. And I want you to either ask for forgiveness. Hey guys, be with me here for a sec. I want you to either ask for forgiveness, or I want you to forgive them. Now here's what that means, right? It doesn't mean like, like somebody did you dirty, and you walk up and you say, like, you, you did this to me, and I'm, I've been so angry, and, I, and now, great, I forgive you, and then just walk away. That's not what it is, right? But it's coming together in a spirit of reconciliation that says, hey, 
me holding unforgiveness against you, it actually, it actually was me sinning against you. Would you forgive me? Or let's say, you, let's say you know you've done something to somebody. Go and apologize. So there's space for that as well. So first, gratitude. Second, forgiveness. And then third, um, we don't have a ton of leaders in the room, but we have a few leaders. If there is maybe a leader in the room, Mateo, maybe we could have him come to like one of the sides. There's maybe, maybe a few people. Um, I want to have our leaders be open to pray with you, especially for any of this stuff, but especially, you guys, as we're talking about peace. If you feel like you don't have peace in your heart and you're just wrestling and struggling, I want you to go find somebody. I want them to pray with you, right, and then help you to turn your eyes up in gratitude. So those are your options, okay? We're going to worship. We're going to express our gratitude for each other. We're gonna go get prayer or we're gonna do this forgiveness thing. We're gonna do, we're gonna do community together for a little bit, okay? JLo's gonna lead us in a song. We're gonna do this for the next couple minutes. Um, as you get to a point where you're like, oh, I've done all these things, that's great. Just come and settle back into worship. But that's what we're gonna do. Awesome. Take it away, brother.